Don't call it a comeback. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, Grab girl? my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. They spiked it on first down, wasted that. Right. Did I lose you both? Good Lord. All right. This is the Press Box. Did we just lose Tyler? Oh, okay. Yes, it does. It looks like we've lost Tyler and uh, Ed. Well, this is good. With Grainy and Bischoff. Oh, it's great, Jared. On ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, thank you, Jared. I'm an idiot. at the Westgate Big March Madness starting today. Expect a few more people to come on in here before 9 o'clock and the tips get off. But let's start back with Jared at the studio with some UNLV basketball. The first bite. How quickly will UNLV hire a new basketball coach? She hasn't yet. The portal's (laughs) open. The portal's open. The portal's open, man. Is there a coaching portal, too? (laughs) We can get your coaches from? Well, there was. She, there were like five Zooms in a day out of the portal. What do you think? I mean, it's going to be – we talked about this yesterday. It's going to be fairly quick, right? She has to do it. Yeah, quick. it needs to be. I do enjoy that every March it seems like UNLV, instead of playing in the NCAA tournament, is trying to hire a coach. That's Two the, things happen in March. We're at the Westgate, and UNLV <laughs> needs a basketball coach. But – they do need to hire a coach, and if you listen to the video that Iowa State's athletic director put out on Monday when he fired his head coach, Steve Prohm, he said this is going to be a quick search, and the reason it was going to be a quick search was that they had players on the roster, they had recruits coming in, and there's guys that can transfer into Iowa State and help Iowa State win right now. And for those same exact reasons, Desiree Reed-Francois needs to make a higher rather quickly for UNLV basketball uh, because like th- there's a chance next year's team is competitive in the Mountain West. I mean, it's 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 the same scenario we've been talking about when, when we assumed T.J. Otzelberger was going to be the head coach. UNLV is going to need to get guys out of the transfer portal to be competitive yeah. next year. Now there's a new coach. That doesn't really change. Even if the new coach comes in and keeps a good chunk of the roster together, it doesn't really change. They need to get guys out of the transfer portal. So it's better to have a coach now. It's better to have a coach ready to go that can start talking to guys that are in the transfer portal and convincing them to come to UNLV because ultimately they're going to need a couple guys out of there to have any chance to be competitive next year. Yeah. I I mean, I assumed Iowa State went quickly because they had hired Osberger in December. (laughs) So... I think I think in December he had uh, agreed to terms. Uh, they just kind of waited because it's probably the you know the nice thing to wait for prom you know to actually fire him. Um, you're, no, you're exactly right. She's got to move. And look, I mean, we joke about that, but uh, you and I we talked about it a month ago when you know fans started in Iowa State started talking about TJ. I mean, I'm sure she heard it. If she didn't hear it, someone told her about it. And I you know if you know I think she probably you know, uh, questioned him, hey, is there anything to this? I need to know if, you know, if you'd be interested in this. And those are private conversations. But if he had all said yes, I would assume at that point she started thinking. I mean, she should. I mean, I'm, I'm sure she did. I mean, she, you know, the whole cliche about ADs always have their lists. Well, if she got any inkling a month ago or more that he was going to go, I'm sure her list uh, 
You know, I mean, you know, the list just she just had it in the drawer because she just used it like <laughs> a couple of years ago. So the list is probably like it's this still thing. on top. It's of still the on drawer. top. It hasn't yeah. even been buried. You know, by when the secretaries come in and like put stuff back on top, <laughs> like on her desk, like the list was on top. So, yeah, I mean, I think she. I mean, would you? I think I'd be. We'd both be surprised if it goes through like another week. Well, so what I'm curious about is the NCAA tournament because it's true she hired T.J. Otzelberger now. When she hired Otzelberger, that was the one year South Dakota State didn't make the NCAA tournament under Otzelberger. So I'm curious if any of her targets are in that similar vein of, hey, he coaches at a lower school. They made the NCAA tournament as a 14, 15 seed, whatever it is. If you're a 14, 15 seed, you might be losing today. But I am curious to see who she's interested in and if they have anything to do with the NCAA tournament because that that does delay it. Because even even if she likes a couple of candidates that aren't in the NCAA tournament, but there's one or two that she wants to talk to in the NCAA tournament, she's got to wait for those guys unless she goes ahead and hires somebody without ever waiting for them. Is there any chance the press box, and maybe uh, Jared knows this, that we can afford, well, we're down here at the Westgate, not the, uh, but if we can afford to have one of those airplane trackers to see if her husband has taken off yet to go to any of these weird cities to like we check to out coaches. We need to look up like airplane trackers to see where the husband has gone. So maybe there's like somewhere he can go check out like they did TJ Osberger. That would be awesome if we knew where he was at. So the story on Desiree <laughs> Reed Francois's is... husband is that he works for Dactronics, right. the company that makes right. video boards. Yes. And they're headquartered in the same city as South Dakota State. Yeah where she hired T.J. Otzelberger from. So I think what we actually need to look up is where does Dactronics have locations across the country? Like, do they have locations in other cities across the country? Because if they do, then that's where the next head coach is coming from. Wherever Dactronics is located, she can send her husband on a spy mission to check out who her next coach is going to be. I believe that we can, well, I won't say we can afford it, but I believe we will have someone on that, and his name is Mike Gramala. Well, here, here's the thing. Um, I, I did a quick search here. Draconics does not have a, uh, a hub in wherever Iona is. So <laughs> we can pretty much cross off uh, him being seen anywhere around the Iona campus here, at this point. I, I've got the list here. Here's, here's all the places. Oh, let's try to figure this out. You can go work if you uh, want to work for Dactronics. So obviously South Dakota's on the list, Brookings and Sioux Falls. But we'll, we'll scratch that off, hopefully not going back to South Dakota. <laughs> what if <they're>, yeah. <laughs> She just keeps hiring South <laughs> Dakota State coaches. Who's the coach I got now? a good feeling about him. <laughs> all right. The, one of their other locations is Phoenix, Arizona. Is okay. Grand Canyon located in Phoenix? They are, and they they got Ooh. to the tournament. Yeah, would she hire? Is it Bryce or Scott Drew? I can't remember which Drew it is. Uh, it's Bryce Drew. It's Bryce Drew. Yeah, it's Bryce. Would Bryce? Right. Would she hire Bryce Drew? I don't see. I was thinking Dan Marley, but all right. Dan Marley's well, he's more available than Bryce. Yes, Bryce I'm, Drew saying, because, I'm saying because he's Dan Marley's hanging out at Marley's <laughs> restaurant in Phoenix. He, he's actually available. So can you imagine Josh uh, Josh Francois heading in? Say is Dan around? Is Dan, Dan around? Is Dan around? Can I see Dan? Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, we you can also get a job at Dactronics in Sacramento, California. Ooh, that that opens up a lot though. The whole the Lonnie whole uh, California. Are, are we Luke Walton? Are we uh, are we counting the entire Bay Area as Sacramento, Ooh. or are we just doing like Sacramento State? Uh, Bay Area might include a little school we like to refer to as St. Mary's. St. Mary's. Yeah, Randy Bennett. Oh, he's kind of old there. for Desiree Reed Francois, though, don't true. you think? Well, he's won a lot, though. Yeah, irrelevant. <laughs> irrelevant. We, we, don't we don't need winners. We don't need winners. Although we don't need winners. There's a 
well, we can uh, actually Sam Gordon wrote about it, but we're not breaking any news. So if it's true that and I just we talked to this yesterday, if it's true that the hire can has to be you know kind of void of any NCA stuff, uh, there were some names on that list that uh, would not pass that that no, test. So. No, not at all. Um, so another anyway. city here, Miami, Florida. I don't think Jim Laranegas. I don't think he's going to ditch <laughs> Miami for UNLV. Laranega. Uh, but Laranega is there. Um, it's Laranega. I don't know where this city is, but Redwood Falls, Minnesota. Ooh. Well, New Mexico stole Richard Patino, so you can't get him. That's true. Is that is that close enough to Minneapolis-St. Paul that Dutcher would have to decide between the Minnesota and UNLV jobs? <laughs> He'd have to decide if he wants to from there. Because he's from there. It's like, yeah, but I'd like to go back, but I really don't want to come to this. I'll go to UNLV. Um, yeah, how about, is there anywhere in the Pacific Northwest? You know who's, you know who's one of those uh, kind of teams that you'd maybe look at that made the NCAA tournament barely is Eastern Washington. Let's see. No, we've got Kansas. We've so got Wisconsin out. in Ooh. here, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, we've got Texas in San Antonio. Oh, Texas would have a lot of options. and College Station, uh, but that is it. We do. We do have uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, okay. UNC Charlotte. Who's their yes. head coach? Um, their head coach is a guy named Ron Sanchez, who has only been there for three years. Has he done anything? No, they're uh, bad. <laughs> they're not any good. We can't. We can't. We can't have him. We can't have him. I, I say we do it. We, 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 we spend the money and, and find the uh, Josh, uh, Josh Francois tracker, and we just figure out where he is flying around the country, and then all of a sudden we like, can pare this down by next week and figure out who the hell the coach is. Josh Francois tracker. Be great. <laughs> Desiree Reed Francois stayed behind in Las Vegas while Josh Josh Francois just goes across the country and, and, and checks these people out. on college basketball Absolutely. coaches yes. across the country. <laughs> be great. Yeah, I'll be great. Yeah, so it's going to be, I think we both agree. It. And this is the thing, the Iowa State, like you said, the Iowa State coach said it. I think she's thinking it. With this portal now, Tyler, I don't know if there's any long, drawn-out searches anymore because they're so worried. Oh, and, and and I'm not saying they don't have a you know reason to worry. These kids are in the portal, and you don't want to wait two, three weeks, and you know maybe a kid you know who'd consider you is already jumping somewhere else. So let me ask you this about the next head coach, and obviously we won't know until they actually hire him, but with Marvin Menzies and TJ Otzelberger, both of them to an extent, tried to bring in a lot of freshmen and were like, hey, we're, we're going to build this for the future. We're gonna, I'm going to be here for a while. We're going to build this for the future. And, you know, not to say they didn't try to win now because yeah, they tried to win. Marvin Menzies had a great first recruiting class yeah. in his second year. They kind of failed, but he had yeah. a great recruiting class that could have won right now. But the next coach that comes in, should Desiree Francois be looking for a guy that's basically saying, hey, I'll come in. I can land a couple of transfers and we can win right away? Or should she be looking for a guy that says, you know what? I plan to be here for at least five years. I'm going to come in and try to build the program with freshmen to start. That way in four years we're good and it's quote-unquote sustainable. I would do the former. And for one of the reasons is if you want to be good in that league, at least right now, who are the two who, who in the last several years? I mean, although I, I mean, I think Reno's going to be picked in the league next year. The two teams that have been really, really good was Reno with Musselman and San Diego State with Dutcher, and they do it transfers. They yeah. just go in the portal. Like L, like the other day, I saw someone on San Diego State. Mitchell's gone. This guy's gone. This guy's gone. And the guy goes, "That's all right. They'll just go get players." The, and the, the mindset is they'll just go in the portal and get guys. I mean, you know, Malachi Flynn or whoever. Same with Reno. Uh, Alfred's got these two kids sitting out next year. If he brings back those guards, it'll be the best team in the league. I would do it that way. Right. And there's there's value in 
the freshman, there's value in building your program like that. But to, to stay in the Mountain West, a good example is Colorado State. Yes. They had a great yeah. freshman class. Isaiah Stevens, David Roddy's there. They've got a couple other guys that are in that same uh, sophomore junior year this year. And Colorado State's been good the last two years, but they haven't made the NCAA tournament. And now if Nico Medved sticks around, they're probably going to be picked top three next oh, yeah. year in the Mountain West or something like back, that. Yeah. Like they're going to have yeah. a chance to do it. Yeah. But it's going to take like that's the game. That's the blueprint to building with freshmen. But it's still going to take them three years to make the NCAA tournament. Right. Whereas I agree with you. Just go get players. If I'm Desiree Francois, whoever I'm hiring, I want you to win, literally now, right. like the first year and. You need, to, and the only way to do that is to come in and say, "All right, what's in the transfer portal? Who's the best players yes. we can get out of the transfer yes. portal?" We're trying to win now. We don't really care about five years from now because the nature of college basketball is you can turn it over every year. Yeah. Now it's not the best way to do it. There is you want to have some sustainability, some continuity from year to year and roster to roster, but you can have a quick fix in this sport. It's absolutely possible. And if I was hiring a coach. That's what I'd be looking for him to do. I'd be looking for him to come in and say, okay, what's your plan to win in year one? That's what I want to know because UNLV kind of needs to win. Like UNLV kind of needs to be relevant in this sport because they haven't been for a long time. And there was a pandemic, so nobody got to go to the Thomas and Mac this year, but attendance would have been brutal if it was. I I found uh, Sam Gordon's uh, story interesting on the web. He quoted uh, a donor, uh, he quoted the uh, president of the Runner Rebels Club, uh, Bill Paulus, and I found this quote interesting. He said the hire needs to be A plus, and he better bring players. And I think that's the mindset of, you know, they need better players. Yeah. And you know, this is a, you know, it's a booster, but it, it's a fan also looking at the program saying, hey, you know, if you're get whoever you're going to get, but either he's bringing players with him or he knows how to get in the portal and get players. Yeah. You have to have players next year that are better than what was this current Absolutely. roster to have any chance. Yes. That's the only chance they have. All right, coming up next, we'll talk about the Raiders because they're really not interested in signing defensive players anymore. Just being a little sarcastic and having a little fun here. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. We are at the Westgate all morning long. What are we, about two hours away from the start of the first round of the NCAA tournament? If you want to come down to the Westgate and watch all the action. Uh, we'll get into a little more college basketball later in the show, but we've got to talk about the Raiders because the Raiders made a signing yesterday. They signed Kenyon Drake, a running back from the Cardinals, to a two-year deal. $11 million guaranteed over two years. Uh, only $3 million of that is for this season. He'll get 8 next year which again it's fully guaranteed and there are some incentives to where you can even earn more than 11 and it'll be up to 14 and a half million dollars so ed before i start yelling about this do you want to do you want to go first do you want do you want to tell me what you think about signing? i know which way you're gonna go and i'll agree with it but why not we're at the westgate i'll take the opposite side here on the uh thing i'm excited that john gruden finally has another joker (laughs) <laughs> because I remember uh, who was the last Joker that Lynn went to Bowden? Miami in like two seconds. Yeah, Lynn Bowden, third round pick last year, and all we heard that day when they signed him was he's the Joker, out of the backfield. He can run the ball. He can do this. I said, boy, he's a Joker. Okay, and then I'm like, I hadn't heard that often. And then the Joker was a Dolphin within like ten days. I'm like, what the hell happened to the Joker? Oh, so I think he this was a Joker, good Dolphin too. Yeah, <laughs> I think this Joker will stand around. But again, <laughs> we talked about this the other day. I don't know the plan yet. Because the plan, sh- uh, you know, essentially we all thought the plan should have been 
defense, defense, defense. And they have signed some defensive players, but I don't know what the plan is yet. I'm still working. I'm still searching for that plan on the defense. This is such a terrible signing, and I. It's hyperbole, but I think you can put it in the conversation with the Khalil Mack trade. Because at least the Khalil Mack trade, there was some sense to it because the Raiders were rebuilding and they actually got first-round picks out of it. This is this is a slap in the face to anyone who pays attention to the current state of the NFL. Because the Raiders, here's the situation the Raiders are in. The Raiders were horrible on defense last season. Terrible. One of the worst defenses Terrible. in the NFL. Yeah. They clearly have to get better on that side of the ball. And in order to free up cap space, the Raiders decided to gut their entire offensive line. We're going to trade away Trent Brown. Gabe Jackson's gone. Rodney Hudson's gone. Like the entire offensive line, they gutted it. And then what did they do with the money they saved? They spent it on a running back when they already have Josh Jacobs, who they used a first-round pick on. It's such a terrible use of cap space. It's a terrible use of resources. Like, I can barely believe it because running back is the least important position on the field. They are disposable. You can win with a nobody playing running back. You can get production from undrafted players at running back because what we're learning in the NFL is that running backs, by and large, don't matter. That the things that make a running game successful are the offensive line and the scheme from the coaches. And that it's secondary how good the actual running back is. Anybody can generally step in and do the same job as a starter. But for some reason, the Raiders have gone out and used not only a first-round pick on a running back, but they've now given $11 million guaranteed over two years to a guy who probably should be a starting running back on another team to come in and be the backup to Josh Jacobs. It is an incredibly dumb way to use your resources when you have a salary cap and when you have a finite number of draft picks. And the Raiders, for some reason, have no idea how to allocate resources. The thing that the thing that bugged me about the deal not only was the eleven million dollars to Kenyon Drake as a free agent, but that they sent a fifth rounder to Arizona. <laughs> because that, that that when I saw that buried in the fifth graph, I'm like, boy, I didn't think as a free agent you had to send draft picks. But they they love sending people draft picks. They're like, you know, what? we're not only going to sign you, but who's that other team you played? We'll send them a fifth. I don't understand it. I thought, uh, and people are trying to. I guess I saw on Twitter this morning. I looked some things up, kind of trying to justify it. You know. If he if he lasts two years, what would we do with the first year? I, I don't. It doesn't matter. I, you're still spending money in a spot that you don't need to spend it. Have they done anything? I think it's been just defensive line. They reworked some contracts in the linebackers. Anything on the secondary? They have not added a single That's player amazing. in the secondary. That's amazing. They watch an entire year of Jonathan Abram playing and have yeah. decided that they need a backup running back more than they need to replace Jonathan Abram. It's amazing. Abram. Because okay, here's what I here's what I, the Raiders' biggest problem is under John Gruden and Mike Mayock. They don't seem to comprehend the way other teams evaluate players. We Good see it. Teams. We see it in the draft, right? Where Cleveland Furl is graded out as a late first round pick, but the Raiders, that's their guy. Right. So they take him with the fourth overall pick, where they have a chance to trade back, but instead they take Henry Ruggs instead of moving back when they could still get Henry Ruggs later or CD Lamb or Jerry Judy. There were three great wide receivers, but Henry Ruggs, Henry Ruggs was their guy and he was fast, so they had to take him when it was their turn to draft. They don't understand value in the draft of where other teams are evaluating these players. They just take their guy, and we see it in free agency too. You see it now with Kenyon Drake and running backs, where the majority of the league understands running backs' value isn't there, but for some reason the Raiders are giving Kenyon Drake $11 million guaranteed to be a backup to Josh Jacobs, 
and then we saw it last year where Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, the failed starting quarterback, signing his backup somewhere right. else. What did they sign for? Like $2 million. The Raiders did the same thing, but they gave Marcus Mariota 11. Yeah. Marcus yeah. Mariota an $11 million yeah. cap hit last year, and all the other failed starters that yeah. became backups were getting one or $2 million. They don't understand value of players in this league, and they keep making dumb decisions because of it. I guess now they've offered uh, Mariota three. But if I'm Mariota... I'm like, hold on. If I'm Mariota's agent, I'm like, okay, we can take three. Andy Dalton got ten. We think we'll leave now. <laughs> I mean, if you look around the league of what guys are, like, signing for, I'm like, if I'm that guy's agent, I'm like, dude, I'll get you five, even if it's a backup, right? Yeah. I mean, if if, you're, if they're going to give you three and Andy Dalton's getting ten over here, my guess is Mariota can hit the market and maybe compete for a starting job. And if not compete for a starting job, probably get more than three. I mean, or to your point, <laughs> it might be your point. They might have to pause there because back to your point, Maybe everyone else would be like, no, he's a backup. He gets one. Right, exactly. But the Raiders are like, wait, we'll give him three. Okay, just yeah. stay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just it's, it's what it is. I, it's, they is don't... this about being patient, like Mayock said, and they're going to surprise us here in a few days? Well, Although, I'm not going to tell you I know every secondary guy left in the free agent market. Well, the Bears I mean, did just release Kyle yeah, Fuller, yeah, they, so okay, there is at least one good free agent corner out there. Richard Sherman hasn't signed anywhere. But it's they, they haven't done anything to their defense besides the defensive line. Like and again, it's Friday. Free. It's the first week of free agency. They can still sign guys, but are the Raiders better right now than they were no. when the season ended? No, just alone. I mean, no, you can't. And I got, I got, and I, I, I did go over, and you've said them as well. The, the rankings on those offensive linemen last year, and they were the number one paid offensive line. So you can start looking at that and saying, okay, they didn't really win with them. We get that their big names move, but maybe, but still. Those guys that you're now replacing them still have to prove themselves. Right. I mean, you know, halfway through the year, we might look at each other and say, you know what, that was good to get rid of those guys. But we might be saying, you know, the car's gotten sacked more than anyone league. We don't know. So, no, I don't think anyone could sit here and say they're better today than they were at an 8-8. Eight yeah. eight. How could you say that? It was it was fine for them to move on from Trent Brown and yeah. um, Gabe Jackson because they, they save money against the salary cap space. The Rodney Hudson one didn't make wait. a lot of sense because yeah. you don't save very much money on the salary cap. I think they ended up saving like $1 or $2 million because they traded him instead of releasing him. So that one didn't make a lot of sense because you don't save much money against the cap. But if he wanted out, whatever. So I can the, – the offensive line thing, like to me, it, it's okay – as long as you then allocate those added resources in the right spots, and they they haven't done that yet, yeah. and they don't, it's not like they're walking around with a ton of cap space right now. They've got to get rid of Mariota to sign a defensive player now. When it's like, okay, did they did they see their defense last year? What did Gus Bradley tell them in the lab? Did Gus Bradley oh, come out of the might lab? Might still yet? be in the lab. Like does that's he, the thing. He's never come out, so they didn't did, ask him what he thought. Does he know they signed Kenyon yeah. Drake yesterday <laughs> instead of giving him a quarterback? Does he know or that? Or safety or somebody? Right. Because like again. The Raiders were horrific last year, and all they've done this offseason defensively is signed Yannick Ngakwe and signed some rotational interior interior defensive defensive line. Like guys that are going to be the same as they were last year. They're not going to be anything special. They haven't done anything to help the secondary, and it's, it's unbelievable that they've decided that backup running back was more important than replacing Jonathan Abram or whoever, whatever it is. And hell, they're going to make Jonathan Abram a starter next year. I don't know. It's just... It's a terrible use of resources if you're the Raiders. And it's early. We'll see what else they do. But I don't think you can sit here and say they're better now than they were when they ended the season. I was all over this yesterday when it happened. Within two seconds, I said preview in Bischoff's briefs. <laughs> like, not right, even briefs. It's not, too, like, like it's too good this, to be briefs. It's, it's a whole segment um, because I just uh, – and I'm not going to say anything you're saying is wrong. I, I, I was shocked when, when I saw – I was shocked when I saw that. And I'm like, boy, $11 million guaranteed. Uh, Joker or no – 
that's a lot of money. He's a good player, but I don't know if he's yeah, on, on a cash-strapped team that needs defensive help. He's not worth $11 million. There's nothing wrong with Kenyon Drake. No, if you were signing to be the starter for that contract, that's fine. You just have Josh Jacobs already, and your defense was one of the worst in football, so that's where you should be spending your money. All right, coming up next, Michael Swain joins us from Iowa as we'll get a look into what the T.J. Otzelberger era will look like for the Cyclones. A rebel is someone who hustles, someone who does things different, who isn't afraid to change the game and never stops fighting. A rebel is me, is you, is us. Be a rebel. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. TJ Otzelberger is gone to Iowa State, and joining us now is Michael Swain. Michael, how are you this morning? Hey, Michael. I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. It's uh, definitely an interesting time to be an Iowa State basketball fan. Well, yeah, imagine losing a coach that was under 500 to Iowa State. So... I'm curious, what, how would you explain Iowa State fans and their reaction to the hire of T.J. Otzelberger? I think it's been a mixed reaction. I think to some degree maybe some fans would have liked to see maybe a more prolonged search. I mean, you know, they let go of Steve Prohm at 8.30 on Monday, you know, and then what was it, 24 hours later we had a report, you know, out of Las Vegas that, you know, T.J. was kind of headed out to Iowa State. So it's one of those things where it felt like things moved pretty quickly and maybe some fans wanted to see – other avenues pursued, um, but I think at the end of the day, the financial situation Iowa State is in, um, the recruit that they have coming in, you know, there, I think there's a lot of factors that maybe went into why TJ was the right guy for right now. Yeah, Michael, uh, you know, obviously there's a relationship that dates a little while back with the athletic director. When you see things like this has been done for a month, this has been, I mean, I think it was the, you know, the trajectory of prom was he was going to get let go after the, the season. Do you think this was done before this, that the conversations have been had and he just gave it a day on the prom fire and then said, okay, I'm just going to introduce my guy? Maybe. Um, and I don't know about it's been done for months, but, you know, Jamie Pollard admitted that they had started this process of evaluating new head coaches weeks before the end of the season. So, you know, I think you can jump to your own conclusions there about, you know, the, the, when the process started of evaluating the candidates to where, when the announcement is made regarding Steve Prohm, they already kind of knew the direction they were going to go in. So it sounded like they maybe pursued, you know, TJ as one avenue and then a couple other avenues really quickly. But I think they, they knew pretty early on in the process that TJ was going to be the guy that they were going to hire. So UNLV is out here, and they're going to have to hire a new coach, and we're trying to gauge what expectations should be for that coach. I'm curious, how quick is a turnaround expected for Otzelberger at Iowa State? It's tough because this roster is not great right now. Um, there's a reason that you go 0-18 in conference play. Now, granted, you know, Iowa State did not get very lucky this season. Their four-star freshman big man, you know, had a foot injury early on in the season. He missed most of the year. One of their transfers from Ole Miss um, did not play this season because of health issues um, unrelated to COVID. But, so you have the, that to start off. But in general, I think this is one of those things where it's going to take um, a few years. And I think some of it may ride on the roster attrition because – I think there are some players on the roster that may not fit T.J. Altsberger's style, you know, where wants him to be, you know, super energy on defense, play really fast offense, and at times this season for Iowa State, the ball stuck a lot, defense wasn't great. So I'm really interested to see maybe how the roster turnover goes because I think there's reason to believe that if you can keep some of the higher end talent on this roster, you keep your four star incoming freshman out of Wisconsin. I think there's reason to believe that maybe in year two you can be 
approaching, getting closer to being a 500 team rather than being a team that is going winless in conference. Michael, when we talked yesterday, one of the things I think that jumped out uh, that we both felt was maybe, and there's nothing wrong with this, but maybe he's more comfortable there and it's a better fit for him. You know, he's been given credit. I mean, I didn't follow Iowa State at the time. I, I just watched him on TV. He has been given credit, though, for being kind of a lead recruiter on Georgie and like some really, really good players that program. So has, is there a sense, do you think, that they say, you know what, this is his home, his wife played here, this is a better fit, he knows how to recruit the Midwest better? I mean, is there that sense there from Iowa State fans that, you know, no matter what happened at UNLV, he's kind of more an Iowa State, kind of that part of the country guy? Oh, 100%. You know, he's a Wisconsin native, so that's going to be a pipeline for Iowa State. You know, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, their first lottery pick in almost 20 years was from Wisconsin. And so if you look at kind of the really good Iowa State teams of the latter years, the Fred Hoiberg era, you know, most of those guys were brought in by TJ as kind of being the lead recruiter there. So, you know, he's someone that is just an elite recruiter, has shown that he can recruit, you know, high-end talent to Iowa State, while also maybe finding some diamonds in the rough. You think guys like maybe a Nazmi Trulong, who, you know, wasn't necessarily the highest-rated recruit, but ends up being a, a four-year guy, turns into an NBA player, a professional player. So I do think it's a, it's a better fit being in the Midwest, being in a program that he already knows how to recruit to, very familiar with the type of players that fit into what Iowa State needs to be to be successful long term. So yeah, I think 100%. This is a much better fit for him as, as head coach. Uh, I might have missed it, but it it hasn't been reported how much Otzelberger's salary is yet, has it? No, it, it hasn't yet, and that's what I think we're very interested to see on our side of things because you know what was he making? Uh, just over one million, I yep. believe, at UNLV. Um, yeah, we're interested to see what that is because Steve Prohm's salary was up was going to be around two five um, this next season. So yeah, it's really interesting because Jamie Pollard also mentioned finances when introducing kind of they did an introductory video yesterday, but he basically said you know finances played a role. So interested to see what maybe the annual salary is and if it's more maybe related to success. You know, if there's a wins bonuses you know kind of associated with it. Um, but I think we'll probably get that here in the next few weeks. Do you have any idea what the creative ways uh, Jamie Pollard was talking about to pay the buyout of Steve Prohm and the buyout of T.J. Otzelberger? Yeah, I, I don't know specifically. You know, we're supposed to have a press conference here at, you know, what would it be, 8.30 your time, um, where we're hopefully going to get some answers about that. Because, you know, Jamie Pollard came out and made it a statement, really, when they had the video announcing Steve Prohm was going to uh, be moved on from. And he made it a really big point that, you know, donors will not be paying the buyouts. So we'll have to ask him about that and see what he has to say about it. Um, you know, there's been rumblings that it's different, but, you know, of course, can't really speculate on that stuff without getting uh, Jamie Pollard's take on it yet. Is there any chance they never really close down the locker of Caleb Grill and as he comes back for, like, yet another time to shoot for uh, three-pointers? I mean, will it be an easy transition for Caleb just to go in the locker room and, like, see where his locker is? Oh, 100%. If that's the route he decides to go, that's one. I'm interested to see what he does because, you know, it's so funny that TJ kind of recruited him to come to UNLV and then all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're getting to the point where TJ could recruit him back to Iowa State. Um, that's an interesting one to watch. I'm also kind of interested to see what happens with Arthur Kaluma, you know, the commit or signee, I should say, for UNLV. And if he decides to follow TJ as well, um, that, that'll be really interesting, too. Did you tell me yesterday, does Kaluma play with the with the four-star who's going to Iowa State? Do they play together? They know each other, right? Um, so the four-star um, lives up in Wisconsin. They've got another point guard commit, Jaden okay, Nunn. Yeah, okay. they do play together. Um, at uh, a Christian academy there in Arizona. So, yeah, they are teammates. They've played together for this one season. Um, it, it sounds like Kaluma has a lot of suitors, but it, 
does also sound like that, you know, if Jaden Nunn sticks with Iowa State, that there should be some recruiting going on. Uh, Michael, I know you don't have an answer to this, but it's been something that uh, I would say annoyed UNLV fans yesterday when Jamie Pollard said that UNLV offered an extension to TJ Otzelberger to try to keep him around. And a lot of UNLV fans uh, tried to call Jamie Pollard a liar about that. Uh, do you have any reason to believe he would lie about that? I, I don't know, honestly. Um, you know, I, I take Jamie Pollard for his word. You know, most of the time I believe that he's very much an honest person. He tries to be very forthcoming with a lot of this stuff. Um, I, I don't know why he would make that up if it's not necessarily true. Um, but, you know, yeah, that's tough because it's hard to know from a UNLV perspective of what was their thought process on this. Was this a, you know, uh, are we kind of, okay, you know, someone wants to take TJ, that, that's fine. Or is this, a, oh, we feel like this is heading in the right direction, which, you know, from the outside looking in, it's, you know, hard to really gauge which direction it was headed in because year one was encouraging. And then year two, this past year, you know, you had the COVID pause. And, of course, being a young team in this COVID era is tough, so. You know, I, I'm not really sure if he was lying, but I, I don't have reason to believe that he would make that up. Who's going to be more famous here, TJ or his wife? Ooh, uh, <laughs> I, I think TJ. It really does sound like, you know, in his time in Ames that he really was well-known, that a lot of people got to kind of know him, that he did a really good job of making a lot of friends in Ames as well. Um, but everything I've heard about, uh, about his wife, too, is that she was just, a, you know, in terms of, being a basketball player, a rock star, but also just a great person to be a teammate with and a great person for the Ames community as well. Uh, Michael, please rank for us the former UNLV coaches now coaching in the Big 12, TJ Otzelberger, Lon Kruger, and Chris Beard. <laughs> oh, oh, so, okay, Chris Beard, number one. Um, let's think about number two. Hmm. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with Lon, and then we'll go with TJ. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think that there are three former UNLV coaches and one of them that was a UNLV coach for – what was it, maybe 12 days? 19. Days? No, oh, no, 19. <laughs> then Texas Texas had two planes to drag them up. Yeah. 19 days. Okay, Michael, which which Big 12 job is coming open next year that UNLV is <laughs> going to have to be worried about? Um. Oh, let's see. I would say maybe Kansas State if things don't oh, go yeah. well for Bruce Weber there. Um, but there might be other coaches uh, up north that could be looking at that job. But it could be Kansas State, I feel like, is probably the next one up. It'd be so weird if Kansas State came open and Kevin Kruger, the UNLV coach, went to coach oh. the same conference as Lon Kruger. That'd be strange. Oh, that would be great, God, especially if he ends up with UNLV jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, man, the entire Big 12 coached by oh, UNLV beautiful. coaches that didn't get to the NCAA tournament <laughs> right. for UNLV. Well, he is Michael Swain. Uh, check him out at 24-7 Sports. Follow him on Twitter at mswain247. Michael, we appreciate your Thanks, time Michael. this morning. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate really appreciate it. it. Appreciate it. Oh. I don't think he lied on the extension. What would be the purpose of that? To I, justify to his fan base, hey, we got a guy that they wanted to keep? Right. But, it, again, but, like I said yesterday, like, you can justify the Otzelberger hiring without – Yes, lying that. about yes, UNLV think, offering extension. My question would be, so I, I believe they offered an extension yes. to Otzelberger here at UNLV. My question would be how long and how much how much money was a raise, right? Did right. she just go in and say, hey, we'll add a couple years onto your current deal, or did she go in and say, hey, you know, we're going to try to pay you $1.8 million. We're going to give you a half a million dollar raise. We're going to try to pay you $1.8 million and give you two extra years. I'm, I'm curious how serious it was, because if she just said, you know, we'll offer you two extra years, that's nothing. That's no. just sort of doing it for the sake of doing it. But if she offered him, you know, a half a million dollar raise, then that's a serious extension offer that you were trying to keep T.J. Altsburg around. So that's 
I, I think it happened. I'm more curious about the significance or how, how much that extension was. Boy, he, and we talked about this yesterday. I think Kaluma's not, not bound for Nevada. Well, I, I didn't mean, know that detail, that, the point guard that he's plays, playing so. with somebody that's committed to Iowa State. No. Yeah, I I would be surprised if Arthur Kaluma stays with UNLV just because the coach is gone, and very rarely does a does a player who's committed to a school stay once the coach leaves. Right. I mean, that just doesn't happen. So I'd be shocked if Arthur Kaluma actually sticks around and stays at UNLV. It's just it's just not how college basketball no, works. No. So he's more than likely, I would assume. I was more surprised there's a point guard in Phoenix who was going to Iowa State. <laughs> that was weird. I'm Why like, is he going? Wait. When he told me that yesterday, I'm like, what? I was, I was like, really? I, I didn't want to. I didn't know the Kenny. There's recruiting connections. Everybody's like, yeah, Arthur Kaluma's a teammate in Phoenix going to Iowa State. I'm like, really? Like, he's, he, he loves the winter. <laughs> <laughs> he's very he's very mad at these 120-degree summers Ugh. that he's getting in Arizona. All right. Coming up next, the NCAA tournament's getting started in just a couple of hours. Well, technically it got started last night, uh, but we'll get you ready for the first round today. Now, when pictures of our weight room got released versus the men's, the NCAA came out with a statement saying that it wasn't money, it was space that was a problem. Let me show y'all something else. Here's our practice court, right? And then here's that weight room. And then here's all this extra space. If you aren't upset about this problem, then you're a part of it. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Ready to go work out, Ed? Well, I know which gym I'm going to if I'm in the bubble of the NCAA. I know which one I'm going to. Indianapolis, not Texas? Indianapolis, uh, I, I, I would head to Indianapolis, not to San Antonio. The uh, the women's side of the NCAA bubbled-up tournaments uh, did not have much of a weight room. That audio you heard there doesn't quite do it justice because you can't see all of the empty space. They're basically in like a ballroom, convention, convention space type center, yeah. and uh, a giant room completely empty except for one rack of dumbbells. And the NCAA apparently initially said the reason they couldn't give the women a weight room was because they didn't have enough space. Well, they do have enough space. The NCAA has come out and said they're going to fix it now because they got obliterated on yeah. social media yesterday. Well, because then you have the side-by-side pick of the men in Indianapolis, and it, it's the same sort of space, but it's every weight and every rack and every you know machine you'd need to have you know these guys work out. So, I mean, it was just an embarrassing, embarrassing look for the NCAA, and I'm glad she put that out there. I'm glad there were pictures out there to show how completely embarrassing this was. Um, you know, Title IX still exists, uh, and I just, you know, it, it was embarrassing. So I'm glad they fixed it. You knew they would. I mean, the NCAA, the one thing about the NSA is they do a lot of foolish stuff, but they hate getting ripped for it. So when they get ripped like that, they usually turn around and say, oh, okay, we'll do it. Um, yeah, it was, it was stupid. It was just a stupid thing for them to do. I don't think, does Title IX apply to the NCAA? Because I No, thought... but you'd have... No, it doesn't. It's like Cal now or Title Nine, but you—that's kind of Twitter blew up with just just equal opportunity. No, I mean oh. specifically the law wouldn't, but I mean I think it was more like, look, you know, you can't. This can't be that. The discrepancy in this cannot be this major. It's it's embarrassing. You know how I know I'm lazy? Because when I saw that yesterday, I was like, oh, I would have been pumped. My coach can't tell me to go lift weights because there's no weights <laughs> to lift. <laughs> 
You'd have, you'd have been okay with just the dumbbells? I would have been like, oh, coach, there's no, we can't lift weights today. Uh, we can't do it. Ty- They're not here. Tyler Tyler would just, like, literally be, like, collecting breakaway pants that he'd never break away. <laughs> oh, my God. We had breakaway pants on our ninth grade basketball team. The greatest. Uh, it's the most fun I've ever had is ripping off breakaway Break- pants after warm-ups. Breakaway pants. Oh, my God. They, 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 don't, they don't do those no, anymore, right? No, Nobody has no. those. Oh, my God. Yeah. All the, but, see, here's the thing. Because, like, in ninth grade, I was skinnier than I was now, obviously. Wasn't very strong. You had to unbutton a few of them before rip you them. rip them. Because yeah. otherwise, you go to rip them, and then they just sort of stay on your knees. Right. It's like, then you look like an idiot. So, oh, I love the breakaway pants. They need uh, to bring those back. Two things last night. The weight room, and then UCLA gets Michigan State in overtime. I want to ask you this. Like, are we kind of fed up with the emotional Tom Izzo doing weird stuff? Yelling at his players? Grabbing them. Yeah. The, and it's like... And then, you know, of course, Draymond's going to jump on the Isabag bandwagon. He's like, oh, just relax. It's just a normal thing. It's like, yeah, but does it have to be? Yeah, it probably should run be. after guys and, like, tackle be. them. It's just wait till you get in the locker room. If you want to dress them down verbally, that happens all the time, I'm sure, in locker rooms. But just in, I don't know, Izzo, Izzo bugs me in the sense that, you know, I mean, they haven't won anything in a really long time. And it's really not just that. It's just his, like, kind of reaction towards players like what's the point of this it's it's the the as the players running to the tunnel yeah it's the grabbing his jersey yeah. to like get his attention and the kid tried to that, get away from him and he started right. grabbing him more it's yeah it's one thing to be you know crazy and yelling at him like we see like frank martin's a great example sure. of somebody who looks insane yes because he's always yelling yes. at his players and it's one thing to yell at him it's another thing to be physically grabbing them yeah. and there's like, there's nothing really bad about grabbing the player's jersey. It's just, you know, why are you grabbing the player's jerseys? You guys are all going to the same place. Like, yeah, if you, exactly. you, it's not like he's running away from you forever. No. You guys are all going to the same You're place. You're going to see him in, like, 20 yes. seconds. So just, you know, wait a little bit, and then you can yell at whatever you needed to yell at him about. But yesterday, all right, yesterday was the perfect example of the NCAA tournament. Because what did we have? We had, well, that game went into overtime. It was pretty good. But we had... Drake won a game 53-52. to Norfolk State won a game 54-53. to And those two games are the perfect example of the NCAA tournament where when you watch the game, you're not exactly impressed by what's happening basketball-wise for 39 minutes. But then. But the game is close, yes. and the final minute is yeah. actually dramatic, and that is exactly what the NCAA yes. tournament is. You're not going to see the greatest basketball for the majority of these games, but you're hoping most of them are close, and that's what we're here for. Yep going to start up here we're at the west gate it's ed and tyler and jared and angels running the show out here for us uh come on by and say hi uh 50 capacity tyler and i were wondering though it's 50 percent. is there someone like around here counting heads and when they get to like 50.1 percent they're like hey jimmy you gotta go it's you angel angel's, angel's, out, here angel's out there counting our people. show yeah. yeah he's got to be counting all the people that are in here to make sure you don't show up yeah Angel, know. we're back here on Monday. When I come, can you tell me it's one person over and I can go home and I can leave? <laughs> you're the one. See, like, I, I, you're the me one with the weights. I'm gonna push over the. Na- I'm gonna push over the uh, lemon. Na- you guys, you gotta go home, man. I, it's, it's, I'm sorry. Kick Ed out. Yes, please. On Monday, say hey. It's, it's supposed to be 50. <laughs> percent One person over. Come on. Oh, the NCAA tournament's coming up. What are we starting yeah. at? 915, 9:15 today. Florida and Virginia Tech. You can hear it on one of our sister stations. I'll find out which one after the break and tell you because I can't remember which one it was. 12.30 the game.
went to opendoor.com and saw for myself how easy the process is. So see if your home qualifies right now for that competitive cash offer at opendoor.com slash my offer. I'm telling you, you won't regret it. Offer eligibility varies. Opendoor is represented by Opendoor Brokerage, Inc. License 020-61130 in California and Opendoor Brokerage, LLC in its other markets. This spring, get in the game and earn cash for betting sports with the William Hill Nevada mobile sports app on your phone or tablet. During William Hill's spring rewards, earn up to $500 cash back. Between now and April 30th, you'll be eligible for cash back points for every wager made, win or lose on the William Hill Nevada mobile sports app. You'll also earn bonus cash back for teasers and parlay card wagers made on the app. To enroll in spring rewards and see participating locations, visit williamhill.us. That's williamhill.us. Tune in weekdays from 2 to 6 for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield and his rotating cast of company members here on ESPN Las Vegas, KWWN Las Vegas.